0: This is the Mid-Range Theory Podcast with your hosts, Tommy D and Ian Levy. On this episode, NBA TV's Jared Greenberg joins us to talk about is it time for the Wizards to start thinking about trading Bradley Beal, Tom Thibodeau's start in Minnesota, and our Luke Walton and D'Angelo Russell on the path to greatness. As we welcome in Jared Greenberg, NBA TV, and Jared, uh, Ian and I were talking about this before and uh, when we picture when I picture talking to you, I'm picturing talking to a guy who on a nightly basis, for the most part, gets to sit in and watch literally every single game on every television screen in front of him in the studios. And then he can turn to the left and ask Isaiah Thomas, like what he thinks about the Pistons or ask Steve Smith what he thinks about anything, Chris Webber, et cetera, et cetera. First of first and foremost, is that is that a thing? Uh, and if so, <laughs> is, does that continue to be surreal for you?
1: Oh yeah, I mean,
0: I, it's not it's not every night uh, for
1: me, uh, based on the, the the way my schedule now works with the the shows that I host. But uh, it does happen, and, and it is totally surreal. Uh, you know, that that's kind of the coolest part is when you know you could just lean on these guys and and just take in them and their excitement and their passion. Um, you know, just uh, each anytime you're in the studio, and and for me, you know, w- what the cool part is, is that I, I try and put myself. In the in the shoes of the of the viewer of the of the viewer, and you know, I feel like even when I'm home, you know, like you guys and not working, you know, I'm watching hoops anyway, so I'm watching NBA TV or I'm watching whatever, and I want to hear from these guys. So I know that it's not as much about what I do; it's a, it's it's what I don't do. But but the little bit that I can chime in to, you know, be the voice of the viewer to to hear, have the guys say what you want to hear, or you know, touch on the topic or the angle that you guys. Or that I, if I'm at home on my couch, I want to hear about. Um, so it's just the, the storytelling and the passion. Um, you know, it's it's uh, as I told you before. It's, it's it's not a it's not a real job. It's you know, I'm, uh, it's it's pretty cool to show up every night and be able to do it.
0: Well, it certainly comes across that way. And and I guess we'll start with uh, we'll talk about a couple teams here around the league early with the early returns from the season. Anybody in that room, uh, or even I guess before uh, the season start, would did anybody predict the Lakers already with four wins more than, you know, teams like Dallas, uh, uh, obviously a couple other teams uh, struggling as well. Uh, But the Lakers out here at four and four is a pretty good start for them. It's remarkable.
1: Um, You know, I I had an opportunity to go out to to Laker camp um, in Santa Barbara this year. And there was this sense of optimism that I felt was kind of in my opinion back then, it was like a false sense of reality. Like, like, you guys realize you just had the worst three-year run in Laker history, and you know there's there's no reason that I thought that 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 they should be this optimistic about what's going on. Because for a team that wins 17 games, when you talk about you know improvement, okay, so 10-win improvement for, for most teams is is pretty remarkable. So you win 10 more games and you're still a 27-win team. That's that's for the Lakers. That that's not anything to write home about. Um, even on the heels of of what they've just gone through. So with all that said, now that I think back to, you know, what I saw in summer league in Vegas and then what I saw in in training camp in Santa Barbara, Luke Walton, it's a, it's a thing who, you know, when when you talk about his ability to take over the culture and, and bring and, and also tie in, you know, his history, you know, obviously with his dad, but, but more so with, with, his recent history where You know, he was there with Kobe and won titles as opposed to these guys. Some of them who were there last year with Kobe and experienced maybe the worst of of what that was about, uh, because it was all about just seeing Kobe go go out. He was taking a whole bunch of shots when he was playing, and it was almost stunting the growth of these young guys. And now it's like this culture of, all right, listen, there's not that constant pressure. There's not, you know, we're still in L.A. We're still the Lakers, but we're going to make sure we're getting better every day. And Luke Walton came out and started with this, with defense, and and that he made that about sixty percent of what he did early on, maybe even eighty percent the first week of training camp. It was all about defense, and, and now you're seeing it. Now I'm not saying that they're going to turn out uh, to be the greatest defensive team of all time, but but what they've done on that side of the ball, and then you know they, they could only have gotten better from being the worst offensive team in basketball last year, and and they are, you know, they're top five now at this point. Um, I don't know that any of this is, is sustainable, even though their schedule has been incredibly tough. Uh, I think that that it's just showing that, that the culture has started to shift, that the attitude has started to shift. And I think we got to keep it in perspective though, because like you said, you know nobody predicted them with four wins already. so okay, so at some point they're gonna hit some adversity. They're, they're still not a playoff team. So we got to keep this start in mind come January when they you know become to even out because they're not this good but maybe they're not as bad as we actually thought they would be.
2: I don't think anybody would have thought the Lakers were one of the deeper teams uh, in the league heading into the season either, but they've been incredibly balanced. Um, They have nine guys playing at least 20 minutes a game, and nobody is above 30 minutes a game. Um, So I'm wondering what you think about that balance and how that's helped them in the early part of the season and whether that's something that continues or that they sort of settle into a rotation and some of those guys end up sort of playing a larger and larger role as we go on.
1: Well, you know, I'll say that I, I kind of will disagree with the fact that we didn't see their depth you know because I, I can now there's a difference and, and I, I want to clarify this because you know we, we talk about depth and we all often uh, attribute that word to oh the the, the bench is really talented um, and for great teams that's really not a, that's not a factor because you know if you have to go that deep into the bench then then there's something wrong with your starters. So I think that when, when we looked at the Lakers, they certainly did have depth in terms of they signed a bunch of veterans and then they had already a bunch of young guys that were either drafted or they acquired or, or whatever it may be. And, and you, you said, okay, well, how are they going to balance this? You know, why do you bring in Lou Dang when you drafted Brandon Ingram? Why do you bring on Jose Calderon when, when you have Clarkston, when you have Russell, when you have uh, Huertas? Um, you know, why, why do you need all of that? You know, you, you draft a, a big in the second round this year. Um, you know, you have uh, um, uh, in Zubac, you have uh, Tark, Black, you have a, a bunch of bigs. Why do you need Mazgov? You know, th- those those guys were there. And I think that the, the point here was we bring in these guys. It looks like they're, they're high price for now. Uh, maybe towards the tail end of their contracts, those contracts become uh, affordable or more team friendly, if you will, with the increased salary cap down the road. And maybe they're movable chips. But those veterans have now taken some of the burden off of the young guys in terms of production while also helping in the locker room and helping with the culture and helping sell what Luke Walton is trying to to, to teach these guys. Um, you know, I, I think I, I was concerned that, that there would be some ego problems, uh, not necessarily because of, of the personalities and who I know, but just, you know, okay, so you got Luau Dang and then you got Brandon Ingram. So at some point you hope, you think if you're the Laker organization, Brandon Ingram becomes worthy of being a second overall pick. So he should be playing 30 minutes, 35 minutes a night. What what happens to Luau Dang? And I think that they've kind of embraced the fact that they're all going to balance this out. And for a guy like Luo Dang, who has run into the ground by Tom Thibodeau his years in the Bulls, you know, this is probably a welcome thing for him where he can play a little bit of the three, a little bit of the four. He can play with Ingram, play with Ingram on the bench. And I think that we're just seeing Luke Walton take what we saw Steve Kerr do so masterfully in, in Golden State where, you know, he had to make some decisions about David Lee and Andre Godala and Harrison Barnes and Draymond Green and, and massage some the egos and, and, and sell that it's for the greater good of the team. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that philosophy
0: now down the coast in L.A. And that speaks to, obviously, there's going to be the analogy and the connection of... Uh, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Luke Walton, D'Angelo Russell, who I I have seen a lot of guys pass the ball at a young age in my time watching the game for, for many, many years. Uh, he's as good as I've seen at least in the last 20, 15, 20 years. He has that incredible ability to make passes. He has to shoot a little bit better to even be in the conversation to be one of the top point guards, let alone Steph Curry. Uh, but it seems as if there is – Um, that connection between Walton and Russell where it's, listen, we're going to be as good as far as you take us as a quarterback. We need to expand your game out and you need to shoot the ball a little bit better. We know how good you can pass, make plays for others, get other guys involved. That to me seems to to be first and foremost, what's on Luke Walton's list in terms of what he wants to do with this job. No no doubt about it. And,
1: you know, I I posed the question to D'Angelo Russell in training camp about, this really being like your do over of your rookie year. And his response to me was, you know, I don't want to, I didn't really want to say it that way, but since you did, okay, that's fine. You know? And, and I think that the, 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 tension and the, the, that he had with, with Byron Scott was just, it was unhealthy. It wasn't good. Uh, and I, I don't know that, that, that we should just put it all on Byron Scott. I think D'Angelo Russell has to take some of that blame as well as you know, you got to learn to be a professional and deal with your environment I think the Kobe factor had a big part of it. And I think he had to grow up. Uh, You know, the whole incident with Nick Young, I I, I think he had to grow up. And Luke Walton has has been teaching him uh, or or at least talking to him about exactly what you're saying, that, you know, you're only as good as the rest of your team is when you're the point guard, and you've got to be the one that initiates their success. And I think that you're seeing that uh, playing out on the court.
2: So one of the other uh, surprises early this season, obviously the opposite direction is the Washington Wizards. Um, You know they thought maybe they'd be fighting for a playoff spot again this year, and they've been a disaster. Uh, Got a a big win over Boston last night, but um, seems like uh, they're a mess all over the place. Maybe the worst bench in the league. Um, But the the big question there is probably this wheel, uh, the Wall uh, Beal backcourt. Um, You know there was some issues over the summer. Some things were said. I'm wondering what you think about them long term. Are they workable? Both, sort of, from a style of play standpoint, and then from whatever sort of you know emotional baggage they've they've brought to this point.
1: Well, first of all, I'm stunned that we're calling anybody a worse bench than the Knicks. <laughs> but uh, the, hey, hey, fair hey, enough, hey, taking hey, shots at yeah. Tommy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but no, I, I think it is certainly fair to put for the Wizards in that conversation. Uh, I, I was, I've not been high on the Wizards at all over the summer. Um, you know, I. I liked the Bradley Beal signing. I felt like that's what you had to do. You couldn't let him go out and get a deal where you had to match, and now you've got a disgruntled player that's mad that you're playing a game with him. But Beal goes and gets hurt again last night. It, it, it's unbelievable. And, again, it's not to call him out. It's not to you know, um, uh, uh, put a label on him. It, it, it's to call it what it is. He gets hurt a lot. He misses a lot of games. He's constantly on minutes restriction when he's available. It it makes life extremely tough to get any sort of continuity together, let alone when you're trying to get a new coach in there with a new system. Uh, I understand Otto Porter's been going crazy. I get it. Maybe I'm just a cynic. I don't know. I I just don't see that being sustainable for him. Um, You're getting nothing out of Kelly Oubre. Um, I I, I don't understand what they're trying to do with this team. The other part of this that that I would – I would have thought, Now I'm not getting this is just from my own brain, not that I've heard it or, or thought that it's even really a, a possibility from, from, from he, some of the rumors that you've read, but I thought part of bringing Beal back was because now he's your best, you, you know, him and Wall are your, your two best players, but, but you like the future with Wall, you like what he brings to the table. Maybe Beal's a guy that if he can give you a 30-game stretch where he actually plays all 30 games, he's somebody you could move. You can get some picks back for him. You know, maybe it's it's a, a team like a Boston or, you know, some other team that, that's looking for uh, some help in their backcourt would be willing to pay uh, what what he's going to make over the next few years because he, his talent is immense. Um, uh, they need to make some major moves. And, and, and the biggest question is, is the guy who's in charge of making those moves right now, is he going to be allowed to make those moves? Because who knows uh, where where his future stands? Uh, you know, the, the owner there is very, very loyal. He hates to make moves in the front office, but this may be one of the obvious ones that that needs to be made.
0: And that's where it gets a little, that's where it gets a little tricky for me. It's a great point that you just made is, do you make a panic move if you're not sure you're going to be there next year? If you're, if you're running the organization, you could probably get decent value, but then what does that do for the fan base and, and uh, you know, what you're trying to do? It's going to certainly upset. Well, I guess that's the question that I would have then. Would it upset John Wall? Do they get along that well? Is it one of those things where Wall would be okay to see them split up, or is that something that if he gets picks back, then he's going to start to be, you know, uh, upset and and questioning the, the direction of where the franchise is going? Um, I, I don't know the answer to that question.
1: Uh, I, I do know that that John is the ultimate competitor. Um, you know, I remember right before he signed his extension, and then he reiterated it when he did sign his extension on his rookie deal that that he wanted to end this playoff drought and, and start to make some noise. And he followed through on that right away. Like, he's like, no more nonsense. We need to start winning. And then he went to back-to-back playoffs and got out of the first round in, in back-to-back years, which is difficult to do for teams that haven't been there. I mean, you, you look at the NBA, and, and pretty much the trend is that you make the playoffs, you lose in the first round, you make the playoffs the second year, and you start to advance and, and have some progress. I think John Wall is all about making sure that this team is headed in the right direction. Um, I don't know where the relationship is with Beal. I was stunned, as you guys you know, referenced the, the CSN interview from the summer. I was stunned he offered the information up that there was some sort of issue on the court. I was even more stunned that he didn't counter it with by saying we took care of it already, that he said we need to work on it. Um, I, I would have to say that if you could sell John Wall on, you're getting back some pieces that are going to ultimately make you better. Listen, they're off to a rough start already. I mean, this is not not the teams. I mean, you look at Houston last year. They dug out of a, a pretty much the same type of hole and, and made the playoffs. So not that you can't do it, but you'd have to sell him on. Let's take a step back to take two steps forward. And, and we're going to start next year right now. Um, I wanted
2: to, we know you're short on time, but I wanted to sneak in one question about the Wolves too. <clears throat> sure. You know, obviously they were a team that, uh, <clears throat> some people thought maybe were going to be in the playoffs this year or certainly a lot better than they'd been uh, in years past. Uh, you know, another year older for their young core, uh, and adding, uh, Tibbs to, to restructure the defense. Um, they have not looked good. I'm wondering what your early thoughts are on them and, uh, uh, the situation with Ricky Rubio, um, the struggles maybe make it more or less likely that they move on from him.
1: Well, maybe, maybe they should have traded him in training camp. <laughs> I mean, not to make light of his most recent injury here, but, I mean, man, here's another guy that, that every time he gives you 15 games, you're like, all right, here we go. There's another injury, and it stinks. Um, my, my thing with Chris Dunn was I love the pick. I, I love the fit in Minnesota, I, especially with Tibbs and, and what, what they need. But y- you're not going to make the playoffs in the Western Conference with a rookie starting point guard. Now, maybe that's a little bit of a, a generic blanket statement, but I find that really hard to believe when, you know, the rest of your team, the rest of the starters are unproven w- with a lack of experience, with incredible upside and immense talent, but you don't have guys on the court, even like you had last year in Minnesota, who, who have been through adversity, who have been through the playoffs, who knows what it takes. You, you can't expect your point guard now to, to – take on a leadership role while every night he's got to go through curry westbrook paul conley uh lillard i mean that that, that's an incredible task for a rookie point guard which is why i I thought they were hanging on to rubio but i also thought they were hanging on to rubio to showcase him a little bit show he could be healthy for a while then deal him you know that that's what i felt like it was going to be and grow chris dunn into the role but man i mean that's a tough that's a tough challenge and i know A lot, people want a lot from Wiggins. I think his numbers are better than they are last year. We're expecting him to be this, you know, mega superstar, but you got to realize too, that's tough to, to, to put up incredible numbers when you kind of have to face the fact that you're not even the best guy on your team anymore. And the best guy on your team might turn out to be one of the best two or three guys in the league before he's all said and done, um, you know, in terms of active players, because of the talent that Carl Anthony Towns has. So it's a wild dynamic there. And the the thing that I was always curious about with bringing in Tibbs is that while I understand he fits and I think it's good to have, I think ultimately it will work out. My thing with Tibbs is that he's a guy where where, where players have to believe that the amount of stress, the amount of practice time, shoot-around time, how hard he plays you in the game, how much, how many minutes he plays you in the game, for, for, for young players to to buy into Tibbs, you've got to see it work. Like guys don't just say Tibbs. Oh wow, he's won all these championships. I'll do whatever it takes for for him. If, if for guys to look at him, it's almost like, all right, well, let's see us winning. And then as soon as you're struggling, or as soon as they're they're struggling on offense, they're like, well, why do why do we put in all this work on defense? Why are we killing ourselves here when it's not paying off on the offensive end and it's not resulting in wins? And and I think it's an interesting dynamic where like the Bulls, yeah, he uh, he eventually got. Noah and, and, and Dang, who were, who were veterans, and then Rose coming in the second or third year. And, and those guys eventually realized that Tibbs could take any group of guys and get them out of the first round of the playoffs, which, which he can. He's proven it. But I don't know that, that Andrew Wiggins believes that yet. I don't know that Carl Anthony Towns believes that yet. Like, they've got to see that it pays off. And, and when they're like, all right, well, we're not winning anymore. In fact, we're actually off to a worse start than we were last year and uh, we kind of like Sam Mitchell. What's going on here with this guy who's yelling at us all the time? Um, uh, Like I said, ultimately, I think it's going to be great, but it's going to take a while for these guys to understand why this guy with such a
0: contrasting style is being the way he's being. And what you just said is exactly why he's not coaching the Knicks. Uh, I will say this, though. uh, You can hear it in Noah and Rose just how well coached they were during that time that they were with Thibodeau, but... The the ruining the uh, tread on the tires is certainly a thing that uh, we've heard a lot, and uh, and and is a big reason why he's not at uh, at MSG. You could follow him. You can obviously see him on uh, NBA TV. Does a tremendous job. Follow him on Twitter at Jared S Greenberg. Jared, really appreciate you taking a couple minutes, man. We'll talk to you down the road.
1: You got it, guys. I appreciate you having me on.
0: You got it.